As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> Hello, um, and welcome to FFS, another Brexit podcast. And we're live. We're live. This is quite exciting. I'm very loud. But... Yeah, exactly. This is madness. <laughs> um, so we, we go again. This feels like it's pretty surreal, a little humble podcast trying to give diverse younger voices. Are we still young? I feel like Brexit's aged us. So do we still count as young? Uh, thank you. I still consider myself as young. <laughs> uh, Ellie, I think you would like to consider yourself as young, perhaps? Yeah, I'm only at the ripe old age of 21. So okay. Just you, Jason. Yeah, okay. We, yeah, still, okay. we still kind of count as young. Uh, so it's a special edition, and we are joined by Ellie Varley from Brexit for Students. Welcome. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, you're also a member of the Conservative Party. I am. And I you've am. been at conference this week. I well. have. I have, which is why I've kind of semi-lost my voice. Yes. Well, it still sounds pretty strong. I sound like Phoebe Faye when she had a really raspy, like, sexy voice. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> Great stuff. You still sound better than John <laughs> like Burko. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've got more of Did you hear him this week? Yeah. Order. Literally horrendous. Uh, for those of you that we've not met before or maybe haven't listened before, I'm Amanda and... I'm Jason. And we help run alongside Richard, who's trying to hide in the audience, um, FFS, or For Our Future's Sake, which is kind of like the youth and student wing of the people's vote campaign so we try and do things in bright colors less boring language we can tend to be a little bit harsher in terms of what we say about different people um and yeah we started this podcast a few months ago now and we try and have slightly different guests to normal hence why we're quite excited to have Ellie with us today yeah and Ellie's going to join us for the whole podcast as well normally we we get rid of the guests so that we can talk actual nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Normally we try and limit what they say, but we thought we'd like, you know. Oh, I've got free reign. Yeah. Yeah. It's great, it's great, it's great. Um, so every week we start by asking our guest to pick an FFS award. So giving an award to someone for doing something ridiculous on the Brexit front. Oh, so God. who would you give your Brexit award to? Oh, um... Maybe Rory Stewart. He he's a, he's been in the news this week, and I know we are going to talk about him. Mm. But, um, he's done that something that for me was a bit. Oh my gosh! Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, think that was just you. Think, yeah, probably that. lots of people had that opinion of of what Rory did as a, resigning as a conservative and saying he's he's going to run for mayor. Um, for for me personally, as a conservative, I think he might take away some of the votes for our great London mayor candidate Sean Bailey. Um, so from that kind of perspective, I think it's a bit stupid. Um, but, you know, as a, as a parliamentarian, as a Tory parliamentarian, he's actually a really good politician. So, mm. you know, as I was saying, if, if I look at it from two perspectives, um, he's a loss to the party because he was a great politician. But he he's, oh yeah, I have strong feelings on what we should. I don't want to go too far into it. So, so what we were obviously talking about this before mm. we came on. And what I thought was quite interesting was you said how the fact that he'd done that was potentially a good thing in terms of like Brexit in yeah. Parliament. Yeah. But I took I took a different view because I Rory just votes, he votes for everything, for a deal, for probably for revoke, I'm sure, at some point. Like <laughs> yeah. he just, he's one of those Tories who's like, oh God, difficult situation, I'll vote yes. And it's like, well, that to me, that doesn't take away a vote from Mr. Johnson. That actually would have been a beneficial thing. But obviously mm. Rory's going to walk through London boroughs. As, as a man of the people as he likes to frame himself when uh, 
yeah, a man of the people from London, clearly. Yeah. Well, I did. How comfortable do you feel being a member of a party where someone like Rory Stewart doesn't feel he has a place? I think over the past couple of months, um, the party's mood has really changed. And I think specifically it's mainly down to Boris Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that before he was leader, uh, saying that the party was a broad church is something that I would pride it in. I'd say like, yes, it definitely is a broad church. And I think it's right that it is a broad church because... Do you still think it's a broad church? Not so much anymore. I think if we continue the way we're going and, and the whole the whole tone of political debate, I think that all parties will become, you have to be, it's my way or the highway mm. kind of parties. And you've seen that with the Labour Party as well, that you're either for Corbyn or you're not, and you're not a part of the Labour Party if you're not agreeing with everything that Comrade Corbyn says. Mm. Mm. All right, well, we'll come back to Rory and the Tories in a bit. Who would your FFS award go to this week, Alvin very, very recently crowned winner of this award would go to Steve Baker uh, mm. for something that I was told. He said, I might get Ellie to just like confirm. Ellie was hanging out what? with Steve Baker yeah. this week. I <laughs> saw it on your time. A couple line. of people have now said to me this morning that he said he wanted Nigel Farage to be, what is it? Um, a European commissioner. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think we should reflect sure. on Like, just, I just could not like... I mean, you can't call yourself a conservative and yeah. think that. Surely you cannot call yourself, you can call yourself a lever, but you can't call yourself a conservative and think that. Steve Baker is low-key crazy. He's not like out there. <laughs> low-key? Well, because you, you look at like Jacob rees you're like, oh, you're, you are crazy. Whereas Steve Baker is just quietly, he'll just go around his business and then he'll say something where you're like, oh no, you, you, you're you extreme. <laughs> and that's extreme. That's crazy. I mean, it is quite extreme. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I would agree, but I mean, maybe, I mean, um, it wasn't met with booze from the people who no, said it. No, the audience of. loved it. Of course. So, yeah. <laughs> I just, it, really, I don't, it just really surprised me. Like, you if you somebody, can listen to him say that on uh, Chopper's Brexit podcast. If it, yeah, and if I, I actually will, because I still, yeah. not that I don't believe you, I just can't believe he said no, it, yeah, if that no, makes it, sense. It, it, it took me by surprise, I'm not going to lie. To me, I thought that was just bizarre. Utterly yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Uh, mine would go to Pretty Patel. Did you see her speech? conference I did, we were talking about this earlier I, I was too, in yeah. the room when it happened I just think I mean the fact that she's home secretary frightens me and again in terms of like broad church conservatism that kind of liberal conservative that mm. liberal Tory she is the polar opposite right and that bit around freedom of movement just particularly as someone who is you know ultimately an, an immigrant mm. um to hear that from her I just thought was was pretty frightening actually I don't know what your thoughts are on, on pretty um no I don't know I have mixed opinions on her sometimes I like her and sometimes I don't um I when, think when do you like Priti Patel I I to be fair and I'm, this is probably the wrong place to say it but I quite enjoyed her speech I thought she was she was quite good so we'd started so, so well yeah this is probably when we start to disagree with each other which was to be expected um but you know to, to end freedom of movement People are still going to be able to come to this country. It's just that we'll have, as she said, an Australian-style point system where we can pick the best and brightest people to come here. I mean, I'm for migration. I think it's it's a great thing. I think it makes Britain Britain. I think migration is is a great thing. Um, But that's the direction that the party are going in. So Yeah, I mean, I have a huge issue with the best and the brightest because actually there are lots of immigrants who don't have, you know, degrees or no yeah yeah but make a huge impact to our economy and Mm -hmm. society and the idea that we shouldn't be allowing those individuals to come in i i find pretty repellent personally Mm. but i mean it is unsurprising that you didn't agree with what she said i mean she wasn't aiming her comments at you she was aiming it it would have been weird if i looked at them like pretty that was great (laughs) (laughs) thank you would have been a bit of a um, plot twist but so obviously we've just kind of got to the end of tory party conference really so Mm -hmm. I stopped following it on pretty much the second day. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. Like, it was just too much. I also basically stopped following Labour Conference and I was there. Mm. So I just, all <laughs> no, of them I was going to say, too... I stopped following it by the Tuesday. Honestly. Like, Tuesday was... was too late. I mean, it was yeah. dreadful from day one. <laughs> it just felt like one thing after another. But that was obviously from someone who was pretty always, like, I was always going to fundamentally disagree with a lot of the stuff coming out of it. Mm. Like, X, Y, Z. But as someone who was there mm. i did see a picture of you driving a tractor i think yes yeah. i was i was <laughs> rebuilding it was, it was a digger actually it was a digger, digger. my bad why digging driving, digging for victory a... oh okay <laughs> no it was just <laughs> now it, was, it makes sense it was, 
<laughs> it was an exhibition thing and um I went because my friend told me he he works for some of the people of the company so I did it I did it for him maybe. nice fair enough but so conference overall score out of 10 and what do you think Oof. um I'd give it a seven nothing went really yeah. bad but it wasn't the best conference I've been to I've only ever been to two so it, you know it's not <laughs> a lot to weigh it up to but right. um yeah that's that's my score all right and Jason to contrast labor conference obviously you were there for well for multiple different hats and reasons to be fair mm. but score out of 10 and how do you think it looked to the outside world Jesus. <laughs> great start yeah. <laughs> yeah. five six. so generous Ooh. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, I don't even know why I gave it a five. Well, do you know why I gave it a five? Because if you had said to us a year ago when we were campaigning, in, was it Liverpool? Was it Liverpool last year? Yeah. Um, that Labour Party's position a year later would be to support a people's vote in any circumstance for the remain on the ballot. We would have loved that. But obviously the world has shifted since then. And I just find it... You know, I, I I don't understand, given that the party got absolutely slapped around in the European elections for lack of clarity, that we're now going to go into uh, another election where it's not clear what its position is on, aside from giving people a vote. People want to know where which side you land on, and Labour's not being clear on that. So I just found it frustrating. I found the attacks on some of the... Uh, institutions within the party, so Labour students and Tom Watson, yeah. the tribalism. I just I thought it was it was pretty grim to be honest. But the, the reason why I gave it five is in the context of where we were last year. The party clearly has shifted, and I feel like FFS and the People's Vote campaign should take a lot of credit for that because twelve months ago it didn't look like we were going to be where we are now. So yeah, I think that I think that's fair. You're definitely right on the clarity point and. I've said it before, despite massively disagreeing with them, at least the Conservatives are clear. Like, you know, you've got yeah. a clear Brexit I'll policy. I'll take that as a win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to maybe bring it down slightly, one thing I thought was super key about Conservative conference mm. was the date, October 31st, didn't feature. It was get Brexit done, but they've got rid of the by October 31st. There was no kind of, I mean, sure, Johnson's speech, but he wasn't really ever going to say anything different. Mm. But none of the branding or anything said... October by October 31st and I thought that was perhaps a bit of a actually for once they were forward looking and thinking do we want on November the 1st when we probably haven't left to have all the photos showing thousands of our most committed activists under a giant banner that says we're going to leave by October 31st yeah, that's, that's I don't know what like, was that even a thing or was it just am I reading too much into branding um, it could be a thing but I I don't know either way I think it's an interesting take I think it's an interesting take but yeah I, d I don't know either way I can't can confirm or deny. What's your What's your <laughs> view of Boris's start as Prime Minister generally? Good job, <clears> bad <throat> job. Well, as someone who backed pretty much every candidate except for him, yeah, um, and you had a few to choose from, as and well. I had like at least four hundred to choose from. <laughs> um, I think that as a party leader, he does a lot for the party members. In that, as soon as he became prime minister, and as soon as people had found out he won, there was this like people say, it, Bojo has brought the party its mojo. Mm. Um, I think activists under Theresa May were kind of a bit disillusioned. So for that sense, the party's really got its oomph back. Mm. And um, receptions like the CFI reception, people, it was just absolute pandemonium compared to last year with how upbeat and happy and inspired people were. Mm. Um, he has a progressive cabinet. That's another little tick point that is... is, is I'm just going to remind you of our previous conversation. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. Um, as a prime minister, I think, and I say this quite a lot, that I don't trust him as a person, but I trust him to get Brexit done. And I trust Theresa May as a person, but I didn't have faith in her to deliver Brexit. So from, from that point of view, that's where, that's where I stand on. Interesting. One thing, because I'd like to do my research. Uh -huh. So I looked through your Twitter feed beforehand. Uh -huh. I'm just going to admit it. Oh, God. <laughs> but, but it's actually for something that you didn't say mm. uh, or that was omitted rather than what you did. So after the proroguing verdict, you were very quiet on social media. <laughs> and I'm, I'm interested to know what your perspective is on that, right? Because if you go into the Students for Brexit website, it's very much about, you know, You've got to defend democracy, you've got to get Brexit done in order to defend democracy, but then you've got a prime minister who, you know, the highest court in the land has said, 
you know, is not yeah. defending democracy. He's he's contravening it. So I'm interested to know what your views are, particularly as you were quiet on it. Where I stood on prorogation when I thought it was legal in terms of um, before the Supreme Supreme Court's um, ruling, I had no problem with it because I, it's a it's a parliamentary right the 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 Prime Minister has. I mean, the, the speakers brought up constitutional like 100 year old um, bits of the constitution to to do stuff in parliament so in all honesty I had no I had no strong feelings either way mm. hence why I didn't tweet about it because I wasn't really bothered either way mm-hmm. um after the supreme court and everything like that I could I would say I'm maybe not as much of a fan of it but I think it's right that we have a queen's speech because this is the longest parliament that we've had in a very long time and I think it's right that Boris is able to introduce a new agenda because he is essentially a new government like mm-hmm. David Cameron and Theresa May there was slight continuity to it where they, they kind of probably have the same sort of views with Boris he he's he's very different to the both of them so mm-hmm. I think to have a queen's speech and to reset parliament is is the if it were for that reason mm-hmm. I'm completely for it mm-hmm. Yeah, but one of one of the things I've that seems like a, a pretty balanced response. One of the things I found most frustrating, I think, listening to many Brexiteers, is mm. those who say they absolutely defend democracy and uh, decry a people's vote because they think it's anti-democratic. Have unequivocally supported um, shutting down Parliament, mm. and that to me doesn't seem to be matching up. Right, if you genuinely want to protect democracy mm-hmm. and you genuinely think that you. Know, an independent judiciary is part of democracy, then you should respect the judgment of that independent judiciary. Um, sorry, I interrupted you. But uh, no, not really. You spoke before me, so well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, so I kind of agree with you, I think, on that point. But I think I would say that even more strongly after it was found unlawful, because I think, you know, the way it's kind of going is that actually our judiciary aren't given any respect and actually you're literally taught in school and college and everything to kind of respect those institutions and that they are there to make those decisions in those quite difficult times so I think the bit that got it for me was when a lot of kind of the leading Brexiters or even just like leading conservatives actually regardless of their view weren't kind of coming out and defending the judiciary and I know we touched on it on the podcast before I thought that was quite shocking and I know a lot of people from across the Brexit divide did actually think that because that was a bit like well actually you go back to that um enemies of the people front page which was just mm. a bit horrifying <clears throat> yeah, actually yeah, i think yeah. to see but absolutely as a supporter of brexit uh-huh. and a tory party member who's young what's life like for you <laughs> so much fun <laughs> so much fun um no so i've just finished university so i've just done three years in this whole left-wing environment mm. um and i can't say it was the it was the best um in terms of that people will make prejudgments about you. Um, but, you know, once I, I made a point of not saying my views until I'd, I'd got to know someone and, and they'd liked me. <laughs> Sounds really cringe. They liked me for me and they didn't take my viewpoints and, and just assume because that's the biggest problem that people like me face is that the assumption is that you're a racist, a fascist. Mm. All, of, all of those those phrases that get chucked about. Um, my lecturers... Most of them didn't agree with me at all. So um, when it comes to raising your hand and making a point that maybe is not what everyone else in the classroom agrees with, it can be quite nerve-wracking, mm. which is one of the reasons why we set up Students for Brexit, so that there is young people know that there are more people like them out there because they are the, there are shy leavers and shy Tories. We're called that for a reason, because I just didn't feel confident in expressing my views when I was in year one at university. By third year, I just didn't give a toss. Mm. And I tell anyone who listens. So um, <laughs> I would say that university gave me more confidence to be to be. Did outspoken. you lose friends once once you kept it quiet and then <clears throat> revealed yourself? Or... I've definitely lost friends from school, but I can't say I've lost friends from university in, in, in the same way. Like people that I thought were I was friends with from school, no longer friends with me on Facebook, on following me on social media. And I guess it can be quite annoying to follow someone who's constantly talking pro-Brexit when that's something that you probably hate. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so you could say you could say that I have lost friends over over my politics, but I don't think it's it's a massive part. Mm. Um, have you lost any life. friends? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Do you I, have I mean, friends? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow, okay. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness. That was so hard. It was unnecessarily harsh. I apologize. A little bit. It feels like the room's on friend. my side though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. But I mean, like, again, for people who haven't listened before, like, I'm from North Cornwall, so it is not people's vote central. There is more support than people ever admit, right? But it is not like remain central, 
very different politics to kind of where I live and who I hang out with now. So, but again, it does tend to be people from school. Mm. And perhaps I would suggest actually, because I didn't even know all of my politics when I was like, I mean, now, but let alone when I was anywhere between the age of 11 to 18. Mm. So it's kind of unsurprising because there are some people I went to school with who I was friends with who I actually now just fundamentally disagree with on literally everything. Mm. So it's like, well, you know, you could say it's sad or you could say it's not sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of depends, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. Um, just briefly, before we look at the week ahead, mm. um, we haven't talked about the People's Vote campaign and your views on it. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I think you're against it. I can't say I'm the biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, so share why um, you hate everything that we're campaigning for. Hate's a strong word, okay? Hate's a you're strong word. You're being very, yeah. like, OCD yeah. today. I've been fun Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm so calm down. Um, <laughs> my grievances with the people's vote is that what I don't see that this is very nerve wracking to say what of a room like we no, 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 no. You um, can't be as harsh as some of my followers on Twitter. So what, like, what's say the what you point want. of having another referendum when we haven't implemented the result of the first and it's quite clear that people in parliament specifically don't respect referendums. I don't think referendums are a good thing. So to have another one or a confirmatory, how do you say it? Confirmatory referendum. That, I, I avoid saying To have like that. that it polls better, we should say. I, I yeah. really feel like it <laughs> wouldn't give us the solutions that, that we're all kind of looking for. And I think that realistically, it's a bit of a waste of time and money. Um, because, you know, you'd, you'd have to get, you'd have to like fund the referendum. You'd have to fund all these parties would have to, like so much money would go into it that I think would be better spent not to like sound like the people who put 350 million a week on the bus, but like <laughs> how much would this referendum cost that could go towards the NHS or other public services that vitally need funding? So that's quite interesting because normally when people, actually let's clarify this, normally when people kind of like shout at me or like whoever via Twitter, it tends to be on the democracy argument. Right. And it tends to be, uh, you know, sure it was three years ago, but we've had a referendum, the people voted leave, it doesn't matter if it doesn't deliver more jobs more money more agency of your life like we should just we should leave on tuesday like do you know what i mean yeah. people very rarely actually make a nuanced argument against it like mm. genuine i don't know if you find the same but i absolutely find that yeah definitely it's it's always about you know if we have another one is it best of three type thing as yeah. opposed to you know is it actually going to solve anything you know is and I, I don't i don't really think it, it would so follow up do you think and i'll be interested in your answer as well actually mm. do you think a general election would solve the current impasse situation, chaos, chaotic yeah. impasse that we found ourselves yeah, in. Yeah, I, I think it would do more than a second referendum would because at least then we're in a minority government at the moment and that shouldn't really be a thing. The government should have collapsed and we should have had something to to get at one person a majority, whether that's the Labour Party, the Lib Dems or, or the Tories. Someone should have a working majority because it's not all about Brexit. There are other things going on that we should need to pass, like the domestic abuse bill. I mean, obviously, yeah. that's something that is going to be backed by all sides of the House anyway. But, um, you know, a general election would mean that either way. I mean, it could return an even worse situation than we're in now where no one has no majority whatsoever. Um, but I think that with, with what the polls are suggesting, it would provide one party with a majority to be able to do something because at the moment we're just going round and round and round in circles. Right. Jason? Uh, I... I unsurprisingly disagree, I think. Um, <laughs> have your 30 seconds too. <laughs> um, it, for a few reasons. I think uh, the reality is that a general election would be a Brexit general election. That's the reason why uh, it would be held to kind of unblock what's happening in the Commons at the moment. And given that Brexit was decided via referendum, which I agree, I'm not a supporter of referendums either, but given that it was a single vote on the issue <laughs> no no i'm not no I'm, 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 i've been really consistent about it. my my view is that we need to have a people's vote because it's the only way and the most uh-huh. effective way to to solve brexit um give people the final say rather than in principle thinking that referendums are a good thing but you know a general election is about and should be about a huge range of issues and this one would be trying to solve brexit but then you would be pulling in people's views of boris people's views of uh, Jeremy on austerity on a whole range of things when actually if you want to solve Brexit go back to the people and have a vote specifically on that issue would be my view. So that's quite interesting because I've been slightly obsessed with the general election before referendum or referendum before general election 
conversation that's kind of like happening in some places at the moment. And the thing that persuaded me, because maybe slightly controversially, I was quite open to the idea of a general election and then a referendum because I saw a general election as quite a big opportunity, actually, for the People's Vote campaign. Like people want tactical voting now. Party allegiances are kind of all over the place, both in Parliament and in wider society. Mm. So I saw a general election as like a quite a long opportunity but it could be a stepping stone to getting what the ultimate goal of having that confirmatory referendum but the thing that actually persuaded me otherwise so it should be referendum and then general election if you know probably general election afterwards was the fact that someone said it would be better that way because it would allow Labour leave voters to vote leave and then vote Labour and it would allow Conservative Remainers to vote stay and then vote Conservative if that makes sense Mm. and I think in particular, like, if you look at it from a conservative perspective, I think it's quite obvious that Dominic Cummings and Boris Johnson and all the usual people, I just felt your eyes roll so much there. Mm, mm. <laughs> um, I need to work on my uh, reaction. Y- so your, your poker face. <laughs> I'm when, totally when here for it. Sex. But I mean, the thing that they're relying on is Labour leave voters, but only one in eight people who voted leave are a Labour leave voter. So that is a huge gamble, yeah. I think, for them. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is, I mean, and I've kind of always said it because partially maybe because I was supposed to, but now I actually definitely believe it. If you have a referendum first, you actually have people on all sides of the debate have to provide some clarity about what it means. I don't think, for example, a stay campaign could run again just on economics and not presenting some kind of, if we were to stay in Europe for another five, 10 years, this is what a reform plan would look like. And this is what it might look like for like younger generations. Yeah. But I've also spent most of the week thinking about it, hence why I've got quite a long drawn out <laughs> <laughs> view on it that probably most people don't care about and don't have. So we are what we are. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, so looking at the week that's just gone, we've talked a bit about um, conference. Should we just talk a little bit more about Rory Stewart then? I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rory, um, what is he doing? <laughs> so uh, going back to the leadership contest, who was your, who was your top pick? My top pick was James Cleverly until he dropped out. Then I was very avid for Javid, feeling a bit ready for Rob, go for Gove. Um, oh, so Rory was nowhere near. Rory, Rory and Boris were the only two that I categorically did not want in number 10. And what's, and, why? And what are. was it about Rory that did not float your boat? Um, I just feel like he's a bit wishy-washy, kind of, what does he really believe? Because as you said, he, he would vote for anything. Like, what, what does Rory really believe? He pretends he's a man of the people when he's really not. He enjoys smoking opium. I don't know how many ordinary people do that to pass time. I mean, if, I think in fairness... <laughs> he, well, you're he, asking he, us to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, do you guys smoke uh, opium? Well, the last time no, I no. <laughs> um, I, I think in fairness to him, he'd probably say he doesn't smoke opium now. Mm. Well, I, I yeah. <laughs> I would disagree. Oh, that's fun. I like that. A little bit of like a conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can I don't It'd make a Rory sure. walks a bit more interesting if he'd done it. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think he's going yeah, for so many walks? <laughs> um, and you so you said also Sean Bailey, you're a fan of... Of, of course I'm a fan of our London mayor candidate. Mm. Uh, so no, yeah, cleverly worded. <laughs> but are you, would you, are you actually a fan of him or are you a fan of the yeah, fact yeah, that he's the yeah, candidate? No, yeah, I'm, candidate-wise, Bailey, back Bailey wasn't, wasn't my first choice. I was more of a back boff. Um, but Sean's great either way. You're so good at remembering the slogans. I literally... I, I live yeah, by exactly. slogans. I, I love it. I'm just going to remember half is. of them, honestly. I, I remember the weirdest stuff. You could ask me a really complex question, I won't have an answer, but I can tell you all of the slogans that, that are out there. I'm more interested in the slogans <laughs> yeah. than I am the politics anyway. <laughs> yeah. And for both of you, do you think... Who, who does Rory's candidacy, candidacy hurt more? Is it Sean Bailey's or is it Sadiq's? Because I guess the argument could be that actually he'll hit Sadiq quite a bit. Uh, what? No, I would actually disagree. I think, like, surely Sean Bailey, because unless Rory turns around and is like, I'm pro revoke, like, I mean, people might be bored of talking about Brexit, kind of, we are where we are in the country and the situation. Even the London mayoral election is going to come down to Brexit. Mm. And London voted very heavily one way. And Sadiq's actually been quite ahead, particularly of the Labour Party, but actually quite ahead of a lot of people in saying, referendum revoke like eu citizens should be allowed to vote like all this kind of stuff Mm. and unless rory stewart really properly pivots and says that i just can't see how he's going to make a significant dent in what sadiq is saying now that doesn't mean he won't make a dent at all but i think he'll make a bigger dent in sean bailey's candidacy Mm. 
because he'll probably take the softer Tory vote, perhaps. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I think my I'd main concern is, is... I think I'd buy that. that too. I think Stephen Bush's argument, though, which is a, you know, if you're a moderate centrist uh, Tory or even moderate Labour supporter, you see Rory seems like a liberal kind of guy, reasonable, talks about his track record of being able to get stuff done. Yeah. So that might be appealing in a way that you're kind of... My mum loves him and, and she's, really? she's not a Tory. For, no, for a particular right. reason? Or? She doesn't know. She also likes Matthew Hancock, she calls I, okay. him. She full names him. <laughs> She, really? Yeah, she oh, doesn't goodness. call him Matt. She's like that lovely NHS man, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I'm... does she pair Matthew like you just did? <laughs> no, <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. I, I really, of, of all of the takes, I thought Jonathan Friedland's one. I retweeted it was the one that hit me, which is if you're gonna uh, have your candidacy built on your liberal values, going after Sadiq Khan is probably an interesting place to start if you're Rory Stewart. Like, why would you go to, and compete against Sadiq Khan? I, I just thought it was like a genuine surprise. Apart from anything, last week I'm pretty sure um, Rory Stewart said something along the lines of, no, I'm not announcing anything new. Like, I know everybody thought he was going to launch a new party because we're so short of those, but also, mm. like, they thought, yeah, I know, <laughs> they mm. thought that's what he was going to announce or start or try and start, like, a movement or any of that kind of stuff. And then he announced this, and I think a lot of people were like, one you are actually announcing something then but also too what are you london mayor like what yeah. are you doing yeah but it's, I mean, also, it was, it's, it's also like andrew donis going for voxel that also was like a, oh whoa things, you things his, are just happening have yeah. you seen so i only watched it last night his campaign video no because it i so i like i actually like see andrew a fair bit now and we talk like a lot and we kind of get on bit of a name but, drop there <laughs> yeah but no not like <laughs> me and lord adonis <laughs> yeah. away, but... best friends <laughs> No, but like, and it just actually genuinely surprised me. I didn't realise he grew up in a children's home, mm. for example. Um, I didn't know that he was from Cyprus, like all this kind of stuff that I actually didn't know. And then I was also a little bit like, why is it taking you to decide to run in Vauxhall to put aside a slightly more interesting like facts about your life, to be honest with you? But in, no. in fairness, that is well, I think he does talk about that quite a bit. I, I mean, inside the Westminster him. bubble, perhaps. But. <laughs> Did you just, just accuse saying. me of being inside the Westminster yeah. bubble? Um, <laughs> absolutely. Any backs me on this one? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> no comment. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Anyway, uh, <laughs> slight tangent there. Yeah. Um, so we generally ask people to make predictions. Mm-hmm which is always unfair and people say why are you making me do this but we're going to do this with you um what do you think is going to happen now that we've seen boris's proposals do you think they're going to get through uh i don't know the reaction's been mixed to what he said some people have said it's utter rubbish he contradicts himself and it's never going to happen including the eu have said that Mm -hmm. Um, some people really like it. They think this is great. We, we, we won't go for no deal. We'll have, we'll have some sort of deal. I think that what's going to happen is we probably won't be out of the EU on the 1st of November. I really don't think that we will. Um, Yay. which is no, really no, bad, <laughs> which is really bad. Um, um, so I don't think that will happen. I have a feeling that we definitely will have a November election because that is just something that goes around everywhere. Everyone's saying it, mm. um, all of the parties are gearing up for it, yeah. so it must be so, it must be sometime soon. And I, I've never had a winter election before. 
I can't imagine it'll be, and I actually don't really intend to go out on the doorstep for a party, but I can't imagine it'll be nice at 5pm in the dark and no. the pouring rain. No, would, yeah. would you happily do that, given the reservations you talked about earlier about Boris, the fact that he was one of the two that you mm. desperately didn't want to Yeah, to one win. of the biggest reasons why I didn't vote for him or Rory was because, or back Rory, because you didn't get a chance to vote for him. Um, was because I thought, can I actually go on the doorstep and look someone in the eyes and tell them that to vote for the Conservatives is a good thing and that mm. I, I fundamentally believe it? Um, we are in the position that we are in now. And I'm still a Conservative, so I will go out there and ask that people back the Conservative candidate where they live. And I Boris won that election, so I have to accept that that's, he's the leader. And he is very popular amongst the public outside of London. So I think we're in good stead with Boris in that, in terms of that. But yeah, on from that. But yeah. only in good stead if, for the Conservative point of view, if, if we the, get Brexit. Well, if the Brexit party stepped down. Yeah, we. Uh, the fact that we're refusing to do an alliance with the Brexit party is is a little bit crazy for me because they're they're the people that are going to take away most of our votes. We saw it in where that by election was, where they yeah they split they split the Tory vote, and we probably would have had that seat if it wasn't for the Brexit party. Mm. And I think the Brexit party are open to deal, doing a deal with us, but we're not open to doing a deal with Would them. Would you do a deal with the Brexit party? Would you be happy to see that happen? Well, people seem to think that the Brexit party, this massive far right group, when actually they're a, they've got a communist amongst them. So they can't be like this crazy ultra right Does that make you more pro? They've got a communist. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. I mean, they yeah, also you know have me, I love communism. communism. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if we were to do that for this election to ensure that Jeremy Corbyn doesn't get into number 10, why not? Um, but beyond that, no. Would you um, see Farage in a future Tory cabinet if a deal was done? Oh, God, the thought of that actually elected. fills me with dread. I would hate that. I, Nigel Farage is fine in the European Parliament, but he I don't think he belongs in the House of Commons whatsoever. I don't. I would never want to see him there. I'd move to New Zealand. Interesting. So but you'd, <laughs> you'd see a deal with the Brexit Party, but you wouldn't want to see him as the leader of the Brexit no, Party. No, it sounds so stupid, doesn't it? But I would never want to see him as an MP. Not, like Nigel Farage MP fills me with like pure dread. Yeah. I, I would hate that. But that. I mean, I would, I would kind hate of that too. There's kind of two interesting things there. Because one, I know you said the Brexit Party are open to it. Like they are begging for an electoral mm. pack. Like you don't take out a wrap of the Daily Express. I literally dread to think how much that cost. I would never have that much money in my life. Mm. You do not take out a wrap of the Daily Express saying do a deal just yeah. deliver xyz and do a deal unless you are like they've got other intentions there, yeah like they? panicking yeah. slightly <clears throat> also the second thing is like if they did do an electoral pact with the conservatives like one of the things would be farage would stand as an mp for the what eighth ninth time yeah. somewhere and it would you know like i mean as much as we as a three actually might collectively not agree with a lot of what he says i think one of their strongest negotiating things would be look give farage not like a safe seat but a winnable seat probably a Labour leave seat, just leave seat, just to kind of make a point. Mm. And actually, realistically, who would get in? So a consequence of them doing an electoral pact probably would be yeah. Farage as an MP. Which is why I'm glad that we don't have one, even though I've just said that. I <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I was thinking. As you were saying, it, I was kind of thinking it through. And then I was like, oh, God, I hope they don't do one. No, that would yeah. be bad. Oh, yeah. but, and in some respects, I kind of think, I would hope that the Conservative Party don't need to be propped up by the Brexit Party. I think we're strong enough by ourselves. Going back to Boris again. Sorry, this is my last. My favourite topic. <laughs> so, you know, keep, keep bringing it in. It's <laughs> yeah. Boris Johnson, not Boris. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. You're falling into the branding trap. Oh, God. Yeah, no, that is. <laughs> I feel dirty. Well, you wouldn't call David You're Cameron right. David. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I've never called David Cameron Dave. Dave. What would Dave. Theresa, what's Theresa May's short name? TZT. That's what I like to call her. TZT. Oh, my God. TZT. That is worse. Or TM the PM. She's oh no longer the PM anymore. Look, I'm in denial, okay? I keep forgetting that she's actually not in charge anymore. Do you know what? I'm in denial. Reports of her just shaking her head in disgust during um, Boris Johnson's statement. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's delightful. Um, the, the question I was going to ask is, and again, it's, um, it's interesting to see how people are prepared to shut down parts of their brain in order to see Brexit get done. So I'm seeing mm. where you are in this. All of the allegations... Um, about Boris's impropriety as London mayor, bringing mm. people on trips that shouldn't be brought, or the allegation um, that he touched a woman inappropriately. Mm. What's your perspective on that? And then again, going on the doorstep, advocating for a Tory government, a Tory majority with him as prime minister, given those allegations. I'm not going to try and sit here and defend 
what he's done. If he has done that, then I think that's that is wrong. There's no way. There's no way about it. And there are people out there defending him, and I think that that's just wrong. Sexual assault mm. or mm. or whatever else he's done is wrong for a reason. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And just because you're the prime minister, you shouldn't be able to abuse your power there to to get away with such things like that. Um, I can't. I have to stress that they are allegations. Um, and you know this this is my party that i've i've been a part of for the past 3 4 years um so to have someone like him if that were the case as our leader would that would honestly kind of put me on edge to think like how can they allow this mm. how can they allow someone like that to be there so if it was if it was proven that would be a red line for you it sounds like yeah i mean one of the reasons i didn't want boris is because he's got a history of that and i don't think to have someone uh, uh, as a leader of the country that i i hold in such great respect I, i'm very proud to be british i am not a racist um you know to have someone who has that like almost donald trump-esque history mm. it, it, it not right and i think and people teflon have, ability as well it, yeah it just, for some reason he seems to like there's, I don't see the point in trying to pretend that it's an okay thing to do just for my party's sake. Like, yeah, that's where I stand on it. Thought, yeah, one massively respect that, but also want to flip that back onto you, Jason, mm. ex Labour councillor. Are you going to go out door knocking to potentially put Jeremy Corbyn in number ten? <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard, and um, particularly with um, with all of the anti-Semitism stuff, where I, I don't think he's shown the necessary leadership on it to then say this man should be prime minister is a very tricky one I, I, I sort of feel in the way that you're describing about campaigning for an MP you know I'm in a constituency with an excellent MP in Catherine mm. West who has been a supporter of a people's vote and of FFS right from the outset so I would have no issue at all in campaigning for her but yeah. for the party yeah it's 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 tricky um, so do you think I'm just interested in both your views from potentially like a Canterbury perspective where obviously it's super marginal yeah. and also from Hornsey and McGreen with Catherine West who's been like really supportive. Mm. Do you actually make a really definitive difference between going out and door knocking and supporting that MP even though they also come with that party's emblem and leaflet and all that kind of stuff to the national stuff? But do you also think most young people do that? Because like parties are completely and utterly driven by like their young campaigners and people who are prepared to go mm. out in a November election mm. again, all day, all like in the rain, in some really like horrible conditions, if we're quite honest, as volunteers. Mm. Do you think that will put a lot of young people off actually even getting involved with their parties, let alone like voting in an election? I'm not sure about other constituencies, but actually I would challenge that it's younger people who are door knocking for Labour. Certainly in Hornsey and Green, it tended to be... 50s, 60s upwards, who were, the, who were the real door knockers. 2017, there was a lot of talk about the youth quake and that driving Labour's result being better than everyone thought it was going to be. Um, but the broader point of, you know, how comfortable would I feel between the split? I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable. I like Catherine a lot. Um, and I'd like to see her re-elected as MP for Horns in Red Green, but I don't feel comfortable between that and the split in my head about concerns about the leadership of the party and i don't know how to reconcile that to be honest Ooh, might have about seven weeks to work out god this has become somber <laughs> um, I'm, I'm genuinely quite interested yeah. people don't actually ask the difficult questions for honest on most podcasts so yeah. here we are but and i mean do you think it'll make it more difficult for young conservatives possibly I, you can tell by the last election that was very much based on who the party leader was and not the candidate you're voting for because it was Theresa May and her team yeah, is yeah. who you were voting for back yeah. me and you get Theresa and that's a very presidential-esque campaign mm. and we aren't we are a parliamentary um democracy so there is there is the concern that that could really be, shape how politics evolves and yeah. how it becomes from what it should be because you're electing your member of parliament you're not and by a by effect of that you're electing the prime minister but at first and foremost you're electing your member of parliament and that's what it should be about so i think there are there are there, there is a possibility that it could go to that but i really couldn't say whether it will or not for definite mm. it's interesting I, I for some reason i think that's going to be like a huge thing in the next few weeks the closer it gets to an election you'll suddenly have people saying like you are voting for you know insert corbyn johnson whoever well yeah a there. vote for labor is a vote for a corbyn government is what everyone says at the moment yeah. isn't it yeah. which it technically is somewhat true yeah and it's an effect for anyone who's well, anti-corbyn it's quite an effective thing I to think say that's the, oh yeah that's that's the driving <laughs> force behind cummings and johnson wanting an election now as well i guess not just a unblock 
what's happening in the comments, yeah. but also because they think they can beat a guy with a minus 60 poll rating. <laughs> yeah, well, um, <laughs> which feels mood up? like a fair... Let, yeah, let's pick the mood up a little better. bit and stop yeah, talking about yeah. how depressing politics well, is. Well, <laughs> I haven't asked you what your prediction is going to be. But what, for what I think is going to happen. Mm. Um, honestly, it's, I think Johnson and his cabinet will do loads of talk around, we're leaving, we're leaving, we're leaving, nothing's mm. going to stop me. And then I think they'll be like, oh, okay, just ask for a cheeky extension and they'll just do it anyway. Because they do they do kind of keep doing that. And the one time they didn't was prorogation. Turned out it was unlawful. Didn't really go too well. Uh, I then will probably have a general election. I suspect the SNP will insist it's sooner rather than later. And then I think we'll end up with a hung parliament. Great. So we'll be back here at the next podcast live chatting <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, about yeah. how nothing has changed, Just I suppose. About how wrong oh, we were. Yeah, I know. All of our predictions will be wrong. Yeah. Be what happens. I'll still be uh, asking whether so we So we thought we'd chuck it open, take a couple of questions from the audience. Um, if anybody has any, you don't have to. It can be about literally anything. Yes, There's a question. We've got a question. That's great. Hi, guys. Um, with, if we assume that the next election is going to come before Brexit is done, I think we're probably all assume that will happen. Um, there's a lot of talk that um, Conservatives will need to run the election on a no deal and a mm. manifesto. Um, but then you've got Labour who are going to be people's vote and you've got Lib Dems who are revoke. Does that leave a big open goal for a deal supporting party? And if so, who is going to fill that void? Oh, that's quite interesting. That's a good question. Uh, so I... A bit of a hot take, and you would like to think that it would leave a gap for somebody who's like, we'll get a deal and then think of like a pragmatic way to sort out however you have to like sort that out. Um, no, I don't think it will happen, unfortunately. No, <laughs> I wish I could say I did in a way. But I personally just genuinely think everyone has now, including people's vote people, including uh, moderate conservatives, I think everyone has become so staunchly stuck in what they believe, that's it, and actually... You know what, if they're going to run around shouting, let's go WTO, I'm going to run around shouting hashtag revoke, revoke, revoke or whatever. And it kind of is what it is. But and the, only, the reason I think I think that is because if you look at Scotland, the Conservatives in Scotland have signed up to being basically a bit of a no deal party. And that's the one place they could massively benefit from being a deal. The Conservatives can benefit from being a deal party, but they're the only party in Scotland that's no deal. So they'll sweep up those votes kind of regardless of what they think on nationalism i think but that's a massive hot take and i'll probably as with my prediction be proven wrong <laughs> I, I actually entirely agree with you whoa <laughs> I, what, what is happening <laughs> yeah no i agree but ellie any thoughts um personally i don't think that the conservatives would go purely on a no deal i think uh, the whole like meaning of being conservative is is the the familiar not the unknown and a deal is is that the best version of that in Brexit, I think. So I'm not, you know, they might go for that and I'll, I'll be wrong and I'll have my hands up to that. Um, but I think they would they would go for the slogan that they're sticking to now, which is get Brexit done. And that means by any way, any means possible, um, hopefully not breaking the law. Um, mm. But, you know, I, I think they'll kind of stay on that position that we have to get Brexit done. And that might mean no deal. But to be pragmatic about it, we, we should aim for a deal. And I think with the Labour Party, um, I think their problem will be the Lib Dems in that the Labour people who want to just end Brexit and forget that it happened, that, that, that's where their vote will go. And I think the Labour Party policy at the moment is, is something like, we'll go with whatever most, is most popular. We'll decide on the day what's most popular and we'll go with that. So I don't think they have a very strong policy. So I, I can't see them doing very well but i say that as a tory so i'm a little bit biased no it's fine and i mean obviously but I, I think a lot of labor people would agree with me <laughs> I, I mean i broadly think the current labor policy is like you said it's good if we were still in a year ago it's mm. not good enough for now but i i think maybe i challenge the fact that labor will go into it as a people's vote party rather than a remain party because i i think it'll end up some absolute shit show like the european elections where about two days before the election they'll have to come out and say <laughs> oh no actually the overwhelming majority of our members supporters mps meps and anyone who's ever said the word labor support staying in the european union yeah. <laughs> maybe we should put that on a leaflet and like they'll get there but they'll do it way too late to have any impact because corbyn's ideology well, that's, that's what leave. corbyn did with the referendum though he took ages to say either way and yeah i mean i said he was the labor would program or the policy was that labor would pro-remain it was kind of too late Lots yeah of, no, some completely. people use that as a factor as to why we did vote to leave because yeah, Jeremy Corbyn took no, I mean, so long. absolutely and you do get these like particular like Corbynistas again who'll go out and say 
Jeremy did more speeches than anybody else during mm. the referendum. Like, I'm sorry, if Jeremy Corbyn wanted to put the full force of momentum and non-momentum Corbyn supporters behind the 2016 Remain campaign, he would have done it. Mm. And he didn't do mm-hmm. it. Just as an aside, but you were talking about the likelihood that the Tories wouldn't advocate for a no deal because it's not conservative. Yeah. What does what does being a conservative mean now? Because actually look at a lot of what the Tory party has done is doing over the last two, three years. Mm. It's not particularly conservative. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> traditional or respecting the rules of, 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 you know, how they've been. I think Brexit has made everyone go, I'm going to swear, batshit crazy. Yeah. Like normality has gone out the window. We've only, the first two swear words for yeah. this podcast have come 50 minutes in, yeah. which is unusual. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, no, keep going. Um, so I think, as we said earlier, and I think this, the, broad, the Conservative Party are a broad church party. So to no one truly knows what it means to be conservative because so many people hold different views of it. I could tell you my view. Um, and, and to be conservative is well, personally, as someone who's a little bit more of a liberal conservative, is having the freedom to do what you want and having the state there to to enforce the law but not tell you how to live. So I can I can do what I want and know that there's some protection in the state, but I, I am a free individual to, to be who and how I want to be. Mm. Um, that's why I'm I'm a conservative, because I feel like that that as a party they they represent that that viewpoint in how to how to govern. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a tricky question to say at the moment, if I'm honest. Mm. Should there any other questions from the audience? Yeah. Uh, I'm not even sure where the mic is. Oh, no, someone else has got that covered. Thank you. So I got a couple of comments, and then I got a question at the end, if you guys don't mind. Okay. So um, the immigration policy earlier on that you mentioned, I got a different take on it. Um, I put my hands up, conservative. Um, very Ooh. much from a... Thank you. Very much from <laughs> a, uh, Two of us in the room. Yeah. Well, very actually, much... Oh, three. Three. <laughs> okay, cool. No worries. Four. Oh my Four. gosh, just so many of us. The whole party membership are here. It's <laughs> <laughs> me meant to be making that joke, not you. Self-deprecating humour. Let's hope the votes grow that way election time. That yeah. Way. Yeah. 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 Percentage time. Okay. Um, so uh, the immigration uh, point from earlier on. Um, I actually think um, the EU is actually more racist, ironically, staying inside. Um, being outside the EU gives us opportunity to look for talents outside a white Christian bloc. It allows us to look to India, to Pakistan, to look, I'm from the subcontinent, I'm from India, so this comes to mind first, but from all over the world. And also it allows us to other countries and other people who fought and died for the freedoms of this country, primarily from the Commonwealth, it allows them to have, be first in the queue, if we choose to do so. In a democratic method, we can fight and tussle. Also, I think it might take the sting out of... Um, immigration that comes from crises. So what happens is, is that if we see lots of people coming to take what we consider low-skilled jobs from Eastern Europe, and then at the same time you have people coming from places that are going through lots of suffering or problems. <clears throat> so say they're coming from um, North Africa and they're coming to emigrate. If we could take the sting out of one of them, then perhaps we might be able to say, you know what, We've got a liberal policy. We're not going to take so many people from Europe, mm. but we will take more migrants coming from elsewhere. So I think we might be able to balance off that reactionary idea or you know problem that's happened. We could help a wider pool of people. So that's just a thought. It's not a question. Sorry, and I had a couple of others just while they came up. Um, by taking no deal off the table, um, as we did with the, with the Ben Act, as it's been called, um, that's why I think Stephen ba- Steve Baker has gone to the idea of putting Nigel Farage as the commissioner. It's another way to hold a gun to their head. I mean, I don't like to use that kind of, <coughs> you know, like the violence the part, but I'm just saying kind of, um, and I think no one seems to be listening, or no one seems to be galvanizing, and no one and is like, what could really rile them up? And what about having the person who hates them the most having to sit in effectively what is their legislative and executive body? Um, that's that one. And lastly... Um, about doubling down on, um, on Boris Johnson. So Boris Johnson, we've seen that he's had some issues in his personal life, which he tries to park away. And I can understand why he does that. But let's not forget that on the left, when it's come to Burkow and his handling of his office, and there are also allegations, by the way. So, and what has happened, people on the left have gone, well, we don't care what he's done in the office. 
even though it might be massively mm. inappropriate. There is a level but of hypocrisy. we've doubled down. So everyone's doubling down and no one's giving uh, like a golden ladder to climb down and mm -hmm. say, hey, you know what, let's ratchet this down and let's come to a solution. So everyone doubles down. So everyone continues to double down. You're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so that's why I think a lot of um, conservatives, libertarian conservatives like myself and a lever as well, um, wouldn't normally see say that, but we think, well, Boris Johnson seems the only person who's saying something and trying to get on with it. And so we all end up doubling down. And mm. it's unfortunate and it shouldn't be that way. Mm. And sorry, and there were my three comments, but my question is ultimately Labour's policy on private schools. I'm a comprehensive guy from Northwest London, you know, went through the system, A-levels, the whole shebang. I went to further education. I didn't even go, I went to FE, mm -hmm. not even A-levels at my comp school. But how do you tell people on the doorstep that we're going to take your aspirations away because around the water cooler average middle class people you know i that i meet and i work with in my office they say that's just something that we can't see it taken away from us it's just like we'd like the aspiration that our children would have a better education than me so that's there were my comments i apologize and that was my question Wow, there, there's a lot. Yeah, you had lots of views on Labour's private yeah, school. Yeah, there's, so, a, uh, there's, there's a lot in there. Um, so I'll start with the immigration point. I guess um, if it was an argument that said, you know, we're pro-immigration, we don't like the fact that being uh, members of the EU uh, prioritizes immigration from European states, and so by leaving, we have the opportunity to therefore access. Uh, more immigrants from around the world and they all get the same level of status, that would be one thing. But the Conservative Party hasn't been making that argument for a long time. The argument it's been making is uh, there's too much immigration that we need to get it to the tens of thousands. Uh, and so the idea that uh, actually there is a kind of liberal basis, therefore, for uh, its position at the moment on immigration, I just don't think stands up because these are people who have spent their political careers saying that there's too much immigration, that we should have less. So the idea that once we leave the European Union, actually they're going to suddenly say, let's embrace all of these immigrants from India and Pakistan and from uh, you know, the African subcontinent, I just think is for the birds. I think these people genuinely don't think that there uh, should be as many immigrants as there are, regardless of whether it's from the European Union or from elsewhere. And I personally think that immigration with you know, some of the challenges that it brings overall is overwhelmingly beneficial for our country. I think it enriches our economy, it enriches our society. I think there are a number of public services that would collapse without uh, immigrants, high-skilled and low-skilled. Uh, and I just think the Tories' position at the moment is, um, you know, illiberal. And I, I fundamentally disagree with that. Um, the Burkow point, I think, is, is a fair one. And I think it yeah. speaks to the polarization of uh, the Brexit debate. I mean, if the allegations are true, that he has been, uh, you know, abusing or abusive to his members of staff, then people on the left or liberals who applaud him when he stands up for parliamentary democracy should also be criticizing him. And actually, they're far too quiet on that front. Um, so, you know, I would, I would agree with you uh, there. Yeah. Do you want to just quickly, I want to make sure we get the one other question in at least. Do you want to just quickly give your hot take, either of you, on the private schools policy? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot that. Well, I'll, I'll happily, I'll happily, I'll happily. <laughs> go on, Ellie. On Let, tell us what um, you really think. <laughs> I think that obviously I'm a conservative, so it's going to come as no surprise. That I think to abolish private schools is a ridiculous policy. Um, I think that no matter what, rich people will find a way to better their children's education. So I don't think it's necessarily about removing that for for rich people to do because rich people will just find another way to get around that i think banning's never the way forward i think that the thing they need to do is to instead of spending all that money to nationalize private schools they need to invest that money into schools currently and kind of level the playing field so that you you can go to a private school and people should have the freedom to go to choose if they want to go to a private school but you need to level the playing field so that it's not just the rich elite that get the best education. State schools, if you invest in them properly, could give your child just as good an education as, as a private school. Uh, you know, uh, I could potentially buy into that if the Tory party was intending to massively increase the level of funding to state schools, <laughs> but, but they never advocate that. I, I, I mean, ultimately, private schools, I think, you know, they are 
designed, they are purpose built to breed inequality. You pay for a better education for your child so that they will have more opportunities than someone else's child. You know, the Labour's policy that says the state shouldn't give uh, essentially a uh, tax holiday to private schools, I think is a fair one. I don't understand why the state should subsidize private schools um, in order to breed uh, elitism within our country. We know that most of the top professions, uh, the most influential professions, are overwhelmingly dominated by people who went to private school, despite the fact that they're 7% of the population. And as someone who used to be a teacher, you know, there is a huge struggle to ensure that your students are, and I taught in a state school, have the best opportunities. We didn't have playing fields. We didn't have the access to teaching assistants that we wanted. We didn't have uh, you know, kids who would be able to go home and get the kind of support that private school students often tend to have as well. So I think it's absolutely legitimate for Labour to be saying, actually, we want to disrupt it. I guess my, on a real raw political standpoint, I think it's quite hard to say, we'll take away your assets. Mm. Uh, that's, I think, I think the tax bit, I, I can understand. I don't think there is much uh, legitimate grounds for giving private schools um, yeah, exemptions from tax. The will take away your playing fields and your buildings, I think, becomes harder. I think I think we could go back and forth on this all day. I, I, I just want to say one real yeah, quick, on, quick, thing. quick rebuttal. I think that it's hard for people to look Labour in the eyes and take them seriously when the people um, proposing this policy and really pushing for it are people that went to private schools themselves or send their children to private schools. I think it's unfair to say because of what your mum or dad did when you were 11, you're no longer allowed to view that decision no i understand that but but people like diane abbott who sent her children to a private school and and doesn't agree with private school it's like practice what you preach that 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 is a harder yeah i'm not saying maybe so so people who went to private schools are at fault but the people who definitely who send who've sent their children to those schools and who are part of the elite to say that is is somewhat it doesn't it somewhat comes across a bit if only more conversations about brexit could end on a point of agreement might have made some progress in three years. There was one other question, and then we're almost certainly going to get chased off. Yeah, because we've run over, but you know, hey ho, uh, go for it. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm just interested to get your take on a couple of sort of interlocking things about uh, about a second referendum. So, firstly, the uh, the timing of it, um, and how the campaign should be run, and and whether it should be before or after a general election, and how that interlocks with why you think we lost uh, the first that we being remain. Oh, you're a remainer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, don't ah, remain. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Um, um, yeah, amongst the population, so we're bound to come across. It. Yeah, polls. Um, one of the forty-eight. Um, yeah, and and why you think uh, remain lost. Um, and I suppose what I'm driving at is um, if you accept that the causes of it are in large part economic, it's due to austerity, it's due to uh, it's due to basically people being made poorer and wanting to kick the establishment. Um, why do you think or do you think that we'd have any chance of winning a second referendum before those uh, problems have been solved? Um, by that, I mean, before we've essentially got rid of this government. Because, you know, if you, if you still have a Tory government, I don't who are who, you know, austerity is over not don't really buy it like we're we're likely to have exactly the same problem in the second referendum aren't we so i so it might come as a slight surprise i would never kind of sit here and say that you know what a stay campaign is absolutely 100 going to win if we were to have a like a confirmatory referendum um the one thing i do think is different and it might be a little bit patting ourselves on the back but i'm kind of chill about it is in 2016, so I was lucky enough to be a student union president at the time, there was no youth and student wing of a campaign where that traditional kind of age demographic were going to, on average, seven out of 10 of them were going to vote for your campaign. Like there was no campaign on campuses. There was no voter registration campaign. There was no effective messaging. There was one really shit video that went out on YouTube that was so cringy. So shit. It was, it was so bad was so from shit. Stronger In. And I've told this to the people who designed it as well. Like so bad that it probably put a couple of people off, like even bothering to vote. And I just think like it's, you know, it's been a year and a half now since FFS and other organisations set up to back the People's Vote campaign. But we've always been very, very clear at FFS that we are pro young people and young people having a say and also the opportunity that young people should get to vote to 
stay that I think there would be quite a large driver, I guess. And I think my second point would be, which is one of the reasons I actually so firmly believe in having a people's vote, is the world is such a different place to... 2016 both within the united kingdom within like the lives of young people and globally and you now have school children striking about climate so the idea that more pro remain young people wouldn't come out and vote is not completely for the birds but i think it's quite hard to keep pushing that because i think people are either going to be two ways they're either going to be completely disillusioned and probably never vote again for the rest of their life like younger generations this is or they're going to come out and start voting for what they believe in and you know mm. there's a lot of kind of myths thrown around about like youth turnout and youth voter registration but I am mildly confident that if we were to have a referendum more 18 to 30 year olds would vote and that they would still vote to stay but I think Ellie is about to tell me why I somewhat agree with you that I think whatever your views on Brexit the best thing that's come out of it is that it has in in encouraged a generation of younger voters to become more active in politics. I wouldn't have really paid much attention to UK politics unless the referendum had happened. Yeah. I wouldn't be here today Absolutely. unless the situation that we're in now would have in inspired me to say, like, I really need to raise my voice. And I think that's that's it. one of the one of the best benefits of Brexit is that it has made people like us young people really come out and, and realise that we have a voice and we we demand to be heard. Um, I'm going to come on to the question of why, why do we think Remain lost? And as someone who voted Remain... Um, and now supports leave. I can kind of see why. I, I remember contacting the Stronger In campaign and saying, you really need to play on what Europe does for us because mm -hmm. the leave campaign focused on what Europe doesn't do for us. And I think the problem with the Remain campaign is that they didn't focus on the history of the EU because loads of people don't know what the EU was until the referendum came about. No one really cared that there was this another level of government in Brussels that kind of not, I don't want to say dictated, but I can't think of another word, dictated how, how we live our lives. Um, so I think the fact that they didn't play on that. I mean, I remember saying, it's Edward Heath's 100 year, like he's he would have been 100 this year if he was still alive. Play on that because he's the guy that took us into Europe. Um, so I think one of the reasons is that they kind of played again, you'll probably roll your eyes at this comment, project fear in that, you know, the economy would go absolutely awful it, it completely. And yeah, I think, no, I actually agree with that. One, yeah, to be honest and with you. I think they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have played on that, and they should have played on what the EU do for us, and and what benefits it has. Which is why one of the reasons why I initially voted Remain, but now want to leave. I see you. You need to wrap up because very hard. We're definitely. We do. We do. Um, thank you very much for joining us. I think. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully, this podcast shows in this toxic environment that you can have a conversation with someone on the different side of the argument and it not and not turn violent or, not or nasty turn violent. Yeah. yeah 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 i feel yeah. like it's more likely that amanda and i would have a fight than you and i would <laughs> no. well i think parliament I should follow our example shouldn't they yes they should yeah, and and should. in in joe cox's memory and i hate it when people bring her up but we have far more in common than than what divides us that's a beautiful note to end on yeah. and thank you so much for all of you for listening thanks very much <laughs>